Hey, it's Amber Smith. Welcome to the Conscious Coach Podcast. guys, welcome back to the podcast. I am very excited to be back. I took a little break and it was marvelous and also very, very hard. Like a lot of life, the duality is very real. <laughs> um, before Christmas, my husband and all three of my girls got influenza A and my car broke down and has been in the shop for four weeks. <laughs> then my daughter got a UTI had to take her to urgent care and get her on some pretty strong antibiotics. And now I have a cold that I'm recovering from. It has been quite a few weeks, <laughs> but I'm very excited to be back with you. I had a lot of time to think. I've been reading a lot. Well, I always read a lot, as you know, but a lot of time to formulate what I wanted to share on this episode. Um, I've been preparing for the Art of Deep Coaching, which is happening in the Matrix, um, I also, side note, if you wanted to join the Art of Deep Coaching, but you didn't want to join the Matrix, I also made an option to do that. So if you're not following me on Instagram, follow me on Instagram and send me a DM and say, I want to join the Art of Deep Coaching <laughs> and I will tell you how to do so. Um, but anyway, as I've been preparing for the Art of Deep Coaching, I've been thinking about the craft of coaching. And that's what I'm calling this episode, the craft of coaching, because I get a lot of feedback from my clients that the way that I coach is so unique because I'm not like a certified coach. I didn't learn how to coach from anyone. I developed my coaching over time by one, studying, two, being in um, a undergrad program, which I studied psychology. So I thought I was going to be a therapist. So I already was kind of awakened to the help industry, right? Right, right, Where you uh, talk to people (laughs) for help. And um, I studied to be a therapist and dropped out when I got pregnant with my daughter. I also worked at a residential treatment center where I was trained like a values coach. I was residential staff, so I wasn't a therapist, but I did spend a lot of time with the clients, with the girls there, and I learned a ton um, about interpersonal relationships and boundaries and psychology and transformation and change and depression and all sorts of things. And all that to be said, when I started coaching, I had already had quite a bit of experience with the one-on-one relationship where you talk to someone. I always joke with my clients, like what, when people ask me what is coaching, I say, well, people talk to me and their life changes, which is true, but it's oversimplified, right? It is more complex than that. And we're going to talk about the complexities in this episode today, but when it, what it boils down to is coaching is talking. It's just talking to our clients. And so the craft of coaching is an art. It's a science. It's a, an understanding. It's emotional intelligence. It's intuition. Um, it's boundaries. It's holding space. It's non-judgment. And all of those go into the craft of coaching. But I'm going to break today's episode down Like, how do you develop yourself as a coach? I had a great episode with Amber Brzezinski a few episodes back called Transformational Coaching versus Accountability Coaching. And we talked a lot about that. Um, And this is going to be an extension of that conversation. This is more my perspective um, because I do a lot of deep coaching. I don't necessarily have a niche for my one-on-one clients. And that often surprises people because on social media, 
you know, on my email list or whatever, you might think that, um, I do mostly business coaching, but I do a lot of life coaching. I do a lot of mindset coaching, um, and expanding people's awareness and consciousness, I guess, in my one-on-one coaching. And, um, that's what this episode is about is about one-on-one, right? This isn't about teaching. This isn't about mentoring. This is about the art of coaching, um, the craft of coaching. And so I'm going to give you three, a three part framework of how I've developed myself as a coach where I can truly walk into any, well, figuratively walk into any coaching call and feel confident that I can coach the person in front of me, no matter who they are. And that gives me a lot of confidence in my marketing and just in how I've created my, you know, my coaching practice. Um, and I love that we call it a practice. It is not like, I think I really resonate with that word because it's like something that is constantly evolving and growing with me, right? My coaching is dramatically different than it was two or three years ago. It's dramatically different than it was a year ago because I'm not the same person, right? And so as I grow myself, my skills as a coach grows. And so in this three-part framework that I'm going to share with you about how to develop the craft of coaching, um, listen for the true principles. Don't just listen for the tactics because the tactics can change, right? What I do to develop myself as a coach might not be what you want to do, but some of it is going to point you in a direction where you get to find your own path. You get to follow your curiosity. Um, Maybe you do choose a niche. Maybe you do choose a way of coaching that resonates with you or a certification that resonates with you. And that's fine. I don't think it's better or not, because coaching in and of itself is a created, made-up industry, just like all industries. But um, what I found especially is that one-on-one coaching, and specifically one-on-one coaching, is more about the relationship you have with the coach than it is about their modality or way of coaching. All that to be said, it's like you're looking for resonance, right? You're looking for coaches that resonate with you. And so for me, as I develop myself, I have some clients, I like to say that there's three kinds of clients, right? Clients that come to me for a season where it's like they're in a specific season in their life and they want coaching. They come to me for a specific reason, maybe a project or a goal that they want to work on. And these, a handful of clients who I call my golden clients are with me for life. It feels like, um, they keep resigning. We have a relationship that's long-term. I'm just a part of their like board of directors on their life or like I'm a trusted advisor, It's not necessarily that we're working on a specific project. We are just working together long-term. And I've had um, a handful of clients that have been with me for years now. And it's not that we have a specific reason to work together. It's just, I'm their coach and it's a beautiful relationship. And that that came with time, right? And so the three ways that I've built my practice to what it is where, you know, I have amazing clients, I'm fully booked. I I feel very blessed to do this work. And these three things I'm going to share have really empowered me that I don't need to know the right and you know the right answers and that's something that is a cliche in our industry but is still very true is that a good coach doesn't have the answers right they're not they don't come with wisdom they come open without judgment they hold up a mirror for their clients so that their clients can find their own truth that's what I feel like my role is as a coach, especially a one-on-one coach. I don't necessarily tell my clients all the answers. I help them brainstorm. I help them create. I help them make decisions. Um, I help them evaluate their values and live in alignment, but I don't do that work for them. I don't, I don't tell them how to live. I don't offer accountability per se. And that has evolved over time. And so the first of this three-part framework is to use your mind. It's all about your mind. So it's going to be use, challenge, and empty. Those are the three things that I do 
almost every single day, all three of them every day, um, to grow my mind because coaching is a mental game, right? It's, it's with our thinking and then we articulate it with our words. And that is like what we do, right? Think in words, think in words, think in words. We think, and then we speak, we listen, and then we speak, we listen, we think and speak those that is coaching, right? And so the first step, the use, um, the three things that I wrote down, and how to use your mind is to create, to teach, and to summarize. I think we could talk about a lot of different things that you can do to use your mind. If you're a coach, you're probably a student of personal development. You are probably interested in personal growth and reading and habits and mentorship and entrepreneurship and um, all the things that come with this industry, right? Like reading our books, journaling, habits, high performance, anything in that realm, right? We're, we're constantly learning and we're going to talk about how to challenge your mind. But the first thing I think that all coaches need to be doing is to be creating and teaching and summarizing what they already know, because this is how you refine your ideas. This is also how you find what feels and resonates true for you, right? What system or way of thinking resonates for you at this time is also going to be what resonates with your perfect clients and perfect meaning like good fit. No one's perfect, but I think that a lot of clients, some clients will resonate with us as the coach more than others. Um, and that's a beautiful thing too, because I think coach client fit is very important. In fact, one of the studies that I read when I was studying therapy that was fascinating to me is that clients who trust their therapist get better results than clients who don't trust their therapist. And it had nothing to do with the therapist's education, the modality of therapy that they did. It had everything to do with the trust. And I see that in my coaching. The more my clients trust me, the more they're willing to be coachable and to get results. And so part of my work is to refine what I think so they know if they resonate with me or not. And the way that we do this in the entrepreneur world is creating content, sharing our ideas, teaching our ideas in the form of blog posts, podcasts, um, Instagram posts, um, lectures, Zoom masterclasses, you name it. Anything where we can teach what we know, we get the most out of it. I, I joke with my clients that I create content for myself, right? I get the most out of this episode. I know that. <laughs> I mean, I hope you get something out of this episode, but I get the most out of my podcast creation, out of my writing, of out of anything that I've ever created. I'm the one that's changed the most. And that's step one, right? As the coach is we are our first best and always client. And so using our mind, that's why I put this first, is like we have to be using our mind to create um, and to get distribute our ideas not because that's like, that's how we make money. That's part of it, but mostly so that you can have clarity of thinking. I think the more clear you are in your mind, the less stressed you are. I think you know where you stand, um, and you can feel good about the choices you make, right? New consciousness brings new awareness, which brings new choices. So if you want to create different results, you have to have a new con level of consciousness. And part of the way we refine our consciousness is by using the thoughts that are bouncing around in our head. So um, I really like, I saw this, and now I can't remember who wrote it, but it's like, if you're overthinking, write. If you don't have ideas, read. And I really loved that that line because I think that's, we rotate between those two things as content creators often, right? We need to fill up our mind and we need to distribute our thoughts so that we can organize our own thinking. That is use. So that's step one in how to hone your craft of coaching. You'll notice that this has nothing to do 
with, um, actually coaching yet. We're going to talk about that. But, um, I think that you have to use your mind in a creative capacity to refine your ideas so that you know how to challenge ideas in your clients, which leads me to step number two in the framework. Well, it's not a step per se. It is just another part of the framework because there's no real order. It's just, you're constantly doing all three of these is to challenge your mind. One, get a coach. I read this in the prosperous coach (laughs) and, um, he's like, if you are too afraid to hire your own coach, how do you expect your clients to hire you? And that really resonated with me. It's like, and I think Steve Chandler said, it's like a doctor who refuses to go see a doctor. It doesn't make sense. I have expanded my own mind by being coached in groups, in private. Um, like I, I really resonate with deep coaching. I like when people challenge, you know, what I'm, what I'm thinking, not just what I'm doing. So I look for coaches who can meet me there. The next thing that I like to challenge your mind is to read perspectives that feel challenging to you, that maybe they don't agree with you. Maybe it's not how you were taught or raised. And it's not that you have to agree with what you read necessarily, but to expand your perspective Um, because new perspectives creates new choices. And that's what we help our clients do. So the more we can do this for ourselves, the more we can find the cracks and crevices to push our clients into their new perspectives that they get to choose, right? We're not supposed to give our clients new perspectives. We're supposed to allow them to find the new perspectives through questions, through holding space, through being there for them, through a conversation, that, like the craft of coaching. Um, and I think that challenging our mind is, is challenging <laughs> um, because we like what feels comfortable. So one of the things that um, I found myself kind of, I got in a rut of content that I would consume And I realized like my thinking didn't really change because I was consuming content that already agreed with me. It was like, I'm reading books that like confirm what I already thought. And that kept me stuck for a little bit because I wasn't challenging my perspective. And so now what I like to do is read books that challenge my mind. Like maybe it's a person that doesn't think like me or they're offering a new way of thinking. Um, I like reading books that aren't in the self-help industry. That's why I love business books. Um, because it just changes the way that you think. I like studying all sorts of things. In fact, if you could look at my bookshelf, you'd be like, what the heck? <laughs> um, because I think it helps me expand my mind and challenges the way that I think. And the other thing that I think we do for our clients is to challenge their way of thinking just because we're another human, right? Just having a presence besides our own mind can be challenging because the in and of itself, they have different thoughts. And so that's a gift we can give our clients and we need to give it to ourselves as well. I think when we get stuck in our mind, of course we act on our conclusions. Of course we act on our thinking and we can have grace and compassion for that and still do the work to challenge our mind. The third piece of this framework is to empty. I feel like this is what most people struggle with. They fill their mind, they use their mind, but they don't create space to empty it. So they fill it, they challenge it, you know, they're reading, they're getting coached, they're going to calls, they're reading books, they're taking courses, they're coaching, they're writing content, and it's constantly like in, out, in, out, input, output, input, output. Um, But I want to offer that there's this third piece that has made me also very successful, which is like the do nothing. I sit in my chair and I just think. I don't try to write a blog post. I don't try to create a a podcast. I don't write an Instagram post. I'm just being. I have white space in my calendar so that I can just be. 
Because what's interesting is, is if I sit down and I try to like, let's say I want to write an Instagram post, a lot of times the first thing that I write is just someone else's thoughts, (laughs) right? It's like thoughts that I heard on a podcast or thoughts that I read in a book once or thoughts that I heard my coach say or thoughts that I listened to on a podcast recently, something like that, right? It's just someone else's thoughts in my own mind that I'm like regurgitating. And that's fine. I think part of our work is to emulate people, but... I think there's another level of thought that we can access if we do nothing, if we spend time thinking, if we spend time, what do I really think about this? How would I say this in my own words? Do I actually believe that? Or is there something else that I can share that's more true to me? And that can only come through that that contemplation, that quiet of the mind. That has also made me a more powerful coach. I think it's also allowed me to really hold space for my clients so that I don't feel the need to always jump in and say something. That's a skill in coaching is like that deep listening. Um, sometimes I have to like bite my tongue because my natural instinct and inclination is going to be to say something. And that's not always useful for my clients. And so sometimes I just bite my tongue and I listen and I go a little bit deeper into presence and that's practiced, right? Presence is practiced by yourself. It's practiced before you ever, ever on a Zoom call or ever in person with a client. And so this empty is important in my mind, one, to you know help you come up with your best ideas. It's where you're going to be acted on by the spirit and get promptings. It's where your intuition will guide you. It's also where you get to digest the ideas that we're constantly taking in. I take in a lot of ideas. And so part of my work, this is coming from like my own work, right? This isn't coming from like a place of mastery, like look at me. It's like, no, this is a requirement in my life because I consume so much, because I read so many books, I have to also create space to digest it, to internalize it, to think about it before I jump into something else. And if you have a noisy mind, Or if you're always putting input into your mind, it's going to be hard to know what you think about all the information that you're consuming. And so I think emptying your mind is very important as well. So those are the three things. Use your mind, challenge your mind, and empty your mind. That is how you grow the craft of coaching. It is counterintuitive because you would think the craft of coaching, in my experience, the craft of coaching um, would be like tactics and tools to use with your clients. That is secondary. And I do want to take a second and talk about it. But I think that these three things are the foundation of all good coaches because they do the work. And then the tools and tactics and strategies and line of questioning and skill sets come in. But if you're not doing these three things, those are going to fall short or they're going to feel hollow because you're not going to get to the root of stuff within yourself. Rich Litvin said, you can only take a client as deep as you're willing to go yourself. And I I have found that very true. I think one of the reasons that I can go so deep with clients is because I go so deep in my own life. So I want to start there. Use, challenge, empty. And you can take that however you want. How can you do those three things on a day-to-day basis? I do them by reading. I create content. And I sit and do nothing. Sometimes I meditate. Sometimes it's a walking meditation. Sometimes I just sit in my chair and like look out the window. (laughs) It's like if someone, I always think it it would be so funny if one of my clients like could spy on me and see what I do on a day-to-day basis. It wouldn't look very interesting because I do a lot of just sitting and contemplating after I read a book or maybe I'm journaling or something. I just sit and think, but that, that deeply serves me and my ability to coach. 
Now I want to kind of talk about the craft of coaching in the traditional sense, which is like the skill set, the tools, um, the tactics. And I'm just going to share a few of the things um, that I think about. And I'll, I'm going to go into way more detail in the program that's coming up inside the matrix called the Art of Deep Coaching, which I mentioned at the beginning of this episode. But I think number one is your ability to be present with someone. I think that is one of the biggest gifts of one-on-one coaching is another human witnessing you or maybe you witnessing them if you're the coach. Um, one of the assumptions that I teach inside the art of coaching, I have a, a framework that I teach in there called the five assumptions of deep coaching. And the first one is that everyone experiences pain and suffering and wants, or at least has a desire to be witnessed where you can have another human witness that pain and suffering for you. It is healing and it is empowering as well. No one really wants to bear the brunt of things alone. And so I think that's where we get to meet our clients. I know that a lot of traditional thought about coaching is like we want to show them their thinking. But I think that's like step two or three. I think the first thing that we, we need to do is to meet our clients where they're at and witness them. Um, and the way that we can witness is by being a very present being where you're not thinking about the bills, you're not thinking about what's for dinner, you're not thinking about your own personal problems, you are really with the client in front of you. This is practiced. And honestly, people can feel if you're really there or not. And so for me, part of the craft of coaching is the gift of presence. The second assumption that I teach um, in in the art of deep coaching, we're going to go deep into this, but that your client is the genius, so you don't need to come with the answers right? Because your client is brilliant and that they're the genius and the expert in their own life. You don't have to have the answers. You come with the questions. And this comes from a deep curiosity. This doesn't come from like reading a book about questions. Um, sometimes I'll have my clients ask me like, where do you get all your questions from? Like, you know, like for, for coaching. And I'm like myself (laughs) and my own heart. And I don't say that like arrogantly. It's just I'm just really curious about people and I'm always looking for what's behind the thing that they're saying, right? Cause there's what they're thinking and what they're saying. I'm really curious about what they're thinking. And so whenever they say something, I want to dig a little, I want to ask more questions. I want to, you know, get to the root of whatever's going on because they're the genius. They don't need me to tell them what to do, but they might need me to show them where they're thinking and where they can think differently. Um, the next assumption that I teach is that clients want something that they don't have yet. And, this is true about everyone. You can look at someone at the grocery store and you can assume, like this is why it's called the five assumptions, you can assume that they have something that they want that they don't have yet, unless they're a monk, right? Like I think there are people that like, um, you know, let go of all their wants and that's a beautiful way to live too. But for the most part, people who want coaching, it's because they want something in their life that they don't have yet. And so I can assume that and my job is to help them clarify and articulate that through, through questions and to hold space for their answer. The next assumption um, that is like most of coaching, I think this is one of the big primary assumptions that coaching has is like our clients don't have what they want because of a way of being and thinking, whether conscious or unconscious, like that's how they're being in their life. And if they change their, their way of being, thinking and behaving through conscious and subconscious work, they could create what they wanted. And I really believe this. I really, really believe this about everyone that I meet. If you can think it, you can have it. 
If you can conceive of a lifestyle or a result in your life that you don't have yet, but that you want, if it's in your conscious awareness, you can create it. And I really believe that. That's why I can coach anyone. It's like, I really believe it for them. And they can feel that. I'm not just making this up. I'm not, you know, tooting their own horn or whatever. I'm not um, appeasing them because they pay me money. I really see if they want it, they can create it. Now, what needs to change is their way of thinking about themselves, their way of thinking about what's possible, maybe their behaviors, mostly their consciousness, right? Because consciousness are be our behaviors and actions come from what we think about and what we're conscious of. Um, and that's my role as a coach is to expand their conscious awareness, to introduce new ways of thinking and possibilities to them, which is why coaching is so valuable. And then, um, the last one, the last assumption, which is tied to that one is that anything is possible for my client. When my client comes to me and says, I want to blank. And it's like something that I used to think is impossible. I think that's part of my work as a coach is, increasing my ability to tolerate what I used to think was impossible and make it possible. Um, there's a really beautiful book called The Art of Impossible by Stephen Kotler. And he studies high performance. Anyway, I love that he breaks down impossibility. And I think that's our job as a coach is to keep believing in and also just turning impossibility into possibility for ourselves first and then for our clients. Because the more we can do it for ourselves, the more we can really bring that belief for our clients. And so for me, these things work together. You know, if I'm using and challenging and emptying my mind and I'm doing all these, you know, this work on believing impossibility for my clients and believing that they can actually create the results that they want and that they are the genius and that they want to be witnessed in their pain and suffering along the way. And this is this has been a really big gift, um, I think, is that even high performance like, or high performers, I should say, people who create, you know, lots of money and they have an amazing marriage, they still have suffering. They still have places in their life where they want to be witnessed, which is why coaches, you know, at every level exist because they, people want to be witnessed in their suffering, even if other people don't get it. Even if this is how, you know, you're a high performer. If when you're talking about your problems, you feel like bragging, you're a high performer, right? They still want to be witnessed too. And so I think that's the beauty of coaching is it can evolve into, you know, high performance and it's not, doesn't only live there. Um, I, I think you might be listening to this and you're like, oh, I'm not that kind of coach. That's okay. I think there's coaches um, that can thrive at every level. And for me, I'm always expanding who I want to coach and the kinds of clients that I want to work with because that's just the trajectory that I like to be on. I want to keep growing who I coach with. And that's not for everyone either. Some people like coaching the same people year in, year out, and they have a niche and that's beautiful. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's just what resonates with you. So anyway, part of these tactics and tools includes like good questions, presence, holding space, knowing when to ask for clarification, knowing when to sit in silence, knowing when to use humor. I think discernment is the meta skill of coaching. You know, when to be funny, when to use a metaphor, when to ask a more powerful question, when to just sit there. Um, those are the things that I think you get one with a relationship with your client. My best coaching is usually with clients that I've worked with for a long time because I have the context, we have the relationship. That's not a requirement. It's just an observation. Some other things that I think about when I think about coaching about discernment specifically is that it comes from coaching. And this is the last thing I really want to drive home for you. You can't get better at coaching without coaching. 
And I don't mean just you, you getting coaching yourself, but you can't get better as a coach without coaching clients. This is a gift that I didn't know I, I adopted early on in my coaching career, but I coached my face off <laughs> for the first couple years. I coached for free. I coached for cheap. I coached friends. I coached um, colleagues. I coached family. I would coach basically anyone who would let me coach them to get practice because all of these things are great. The use, challenge, and empty framework, the five assumptions of deep coaching that I shared Um, all the tools, presence, humor, context, questions, all of it, discernment are great in theory, but theory does not work for real people. You have to actually coach. And sometimes I'll coach someone who I'm noticing that they're trying to skip the part where you coach. They want to be this phenomenal coach, but they're not willing to be mediocre. They're not willing to start as an okay coach. And I started as an okay coach. I did. I was not a deep dive coach in the beginning. I asked probably lame questions. I probably stumbled. I probably over talked. Um, I probably interrupted my client and things like that. Gave them advice when I shouldn't have given them advice, things like that for sure. And this is something that I know to be true is that sometimes you have to be witnessed as not good in order to become great. And so if you're a coach who's listening to this, who wants to be a great coach and you're not coaching for free, for cheap, Start coaching for free, for cheap, until you can develop your skill set to be a great coach. That doesn't happen by reading books. You can become very smart reading books. You can accumulate knowledge by taking courses, even coaching courses, right? I have a friend who is stuck in, um, I don't know if she listens to my podcast, but anyway, (laughs) I just witness her and she's like stuck in the accumulation phase where she's taking courses and reading books and getting certified, but she's not coaching people. And it's interesting because I love her and I'm, I'm witnessing her grow in almost like an intellectual way, but you can be intellectual and not be a good coach too. And so part of our, our work is to use our skill set of coaching over time by coaching. I think this is another thing that people try to do is they try to skip the part where you coach and they want to scale their coaching business. It's like, slow down. You need to become a great coach. And the only way to do that is by coaching. Um, in my experience, just, you know, clocking in, clocking out with one-on-one clients. That is how you develop this, the skill set of coaching, the craft of coaching. So those are my thoughts about the craft of coaching. I think it is an art. I don't think that it's a formula. I, I know a lot of people that coach with formulas and it, formula is a tool still. But what's interesting is it's about the user of the tool, right? It's the person. Some people are going to resonate with you and want to coach with you forever. Some people are not going to resonate with you and that's okay. Some people are going to witness you not, not being a great coach. You can forgive yourself and ask forgiveness when needed, when you fall short. But I promise if you stay on the path and you keep growing and you use challenge and empty your mind, if you coach your face off, if you get coached yourself, you will become a great coach. It's inevitable. Because it's a skill. It's something that you can learn and practice and develop. And so that's exciting. Like, I think the world needs more good coaches. I think about what Rich Rich Litvin says, which is like the, you know, the barrier to entry for coaching is very low. Anyone can be a coach, but not everyone goes on to be a great coach. I've always had the, the hope and the dream to be a great coach. And I have a long way to go, but I also have come a long way. And so I wanted to share kind of my thoughts at this point in my life. I'll probably record this kind of episode in the future when I have more thoughts about coaching. Um, but for me, this has allowed me to, you know, charge premium for my coaching, um, to be fully booked, to not really need clients, that clients find me when they're ready, 
And that's a beautiful thing too, because I, I don't think I'll ever give up one-on-one because one-on-one coaching is so special and so unique compared to teaching and mentoring and all the other um, business models that exist. So anyway, those are my thoughts. Go be great coaches. I'll see you in another episode. Hey, if you love this podcast, I know you'd love The Matrix, where I coach, teach, and mentor entrepreneurs like you about what I call the art of entrepreneurship. It really is the year of miracles, where we combine business strategy with doing the inner work, where you take your business to the next level. Check it out and join the waitlist at itsambersmith.com forward slash matrix.